Ready? Okay. Hi. I know you're going to have to look up from your phone for like five minutes. No. Uh, my name is Mary Ellen Sparrow. I'm the CEO of NextShift Robotics. I'm also the co-founder. And what I want to do today is talk about cutting the robotic mobile clutter. So if you're an arm guy, long talk. Have it at the door. If you want to talk about mobile robots, you're in the right room. Okay? So what are the business drivers? What are we seeing as a supply chain and manufacturing group? Is that there has been an unprecedented rise in e-commerce sales. And at the same time, there's a shortage of workers. And this is actually causing a collision of why you're seeing, as I look out into the floor, all these automation solutions. Because we know the way to really expand your horizon with your workflow and with the workers that you have is to start incorporating automation. So the facility demands. Basically, your customer expectations are rising. Anybody heard about the Amazon effect? Yeah. How many people expect their stuff tomorrow? How many today? Oh, I knew there'd be some today. All right, so the customer expectations have completely changed from what they used to be. Economic pressures, you have to do more with less, and you know that's going to continue till the day you die. Um, portability. With fixed automation solutions, you can't change as your business changes. You have to start to change your processes around your automation solutions. And that's one of the places where mobile clutter can really help out. Because now, if you find that you want to reorganize it, you don't have to bring in a whole team to move your conveyor system. You can do something different. You can move it in a day. You can move it in a couple of days. These systems go in in six to eight weeks. You're not waiting a year to have a system. Sometimes, if it's a larger system, you might be waiting two years. Okay, you also have scarcity of labor. I think we all know that, and that just keeps getting more and more pressure. Peak season. Not everybody's peak season is at the same time. Some people, it's in the spring, some it's the summer, some it's the fall, most it's the fall. But in peak season, you are going to have what? Triple the amount of orders that you have at the regular time of the year? And how do you deal with that? Fixed conveyors or conventional systems would tell you you have to buy for the peak right now and spend all that money no matter what. And that's the beauty of the autonomous mobile solutions is that you can buy small and ramp up and ramp down if you need to, and if your vendor lets you. Okay, isolated automation. This is something that you're gonna be hearing more and more about in the future. What's happening now is people are starting to put automation solutions, but haven't really thought about how to connect them. So when you have an automation solution, you need to start thinking how are you gonna connect them? And what types of solutions are there out there to help you connect? All right, so as we look at our lovely drivers, of course we have the Amazon effect, cost and efficiency, labor pressures. But the real beauty of what's happening right now is that the emerging technology has gotten better. I've been in industrial automation my entire career. I started off doing monorail systems in semiconductor plants in the 90s. And in doing that, what I found is that as the technology gets better, cheaper, smaller, faster, 
That's why you're seeing a lot of the autonomous mobile robot solutions today. It's because we have really crossed a precipice that we couldn't do before. All right, so why now? Of course, the ROI is becoming attractive. You're not buying for peak, you're buying for what you have. You can ramp up, you can ramp down. It's good ROI. You're increasing your labor productivity. You should be able to take your labor pool and through automation, make them more effective. We're not looking at replacing our labor pool. We're simply looking at making our labor pool better and helping our labor pool. No one wants to lift a 50-pound tote every day. No one wants to walk 14 miles on cement, and that's a true story. I have a, a group that does. No one wants to do this. This is not effective use of human labor. Okay, robots, hey, they work 24-7 365. So, you know, they don't take lunch, they just keep working. We also increase quality. If we don't have a massive number of touches and we can reduce the number of touches, that increases the quality. Also, if we can do it while we're doing the picking or while we're doing the replenishment or while we're doing our returns, it makes it much easier than doing it at the end by having someone come in and audit. Okay, um, rapid installation. Uh, how many people have ever put in an ASRS? They're a great solution. Great value for the money, but they're gonna take time. You're making an investment. So you're looking at a year to build and probably a year to integrate. But if you look at some of these other solutions out here, you're looking at six to eight weeks. So there's a big difference in putting a system in today as opposed to what it used to be. And now you also have the ability that you can flex up, you can scale down, you can have something that's configurable and can change with your needs. Also, it can operate in your existing warehouse. You don't have to, depending on the solution you pick, and we're gonna go through some of those different solutions, clear your whole warehouse to put these types of solutions in. Sometimes you will because that makes sense and it's financially feasible for you. Other times, you can use the same aisles you have and just put a robotic system in, okay? And then um, it also operates without building reinforcement. I have to do that caveat again because it really depends on the solution you pick. The, some of the ASRSs and some of the heavier uh, single floor ASRSs are gonna need reinforced flooring. And if you're gonna be putting them on a mezzanine, you need to really think about that and know what the cost is. All right, so will automation do everything? Of course not. Please don't come to me and tell me it's gonna solve all your woes, because it won't. Um, you can't fix broken processes unless you take the time to fix them and then incorporate automation. You can use automation to do it, but they're not gonna fix your broken processes. They're not gonna take out the idle time in your manufacturing and make it lean. If it's not lean now, it's not gonna be lean tomorrow. Throwing robots in isn't gonna help. So what you know, though, is that good business processes are enhanced by automation. If you do it the right way, and you make sure that you are fitting it to your business needs. Oops, a little too quick there. So what are we gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about logistics, and we're gonna talk about manufacturing. I'm gonna go over some of the different solutions out there so you understand what those solutions are. This is kind of use case 101. 
And if you're a guy who's been doing this for 20 years, there's the door too. So, you know, this is kind of what we're doing is our basics. So we're going to talk about order fulfillment. We're going to talk about replenishment. We're going to talk about inventory management and some of the new technologies that are out there and how they're solving these issues for you. We're also going to talk about material transfer and kitting and material movement between process steps because I can't leave my manufacturing buddies out, okay? All right, so order fulfillment. We all know the order cycle. Basically what we're seeing is someone calls up online, the warehouse runs around, tries to get it out that day, and off it goes. How we get it off and out that day is there are a lot of different solutions. And it really depends on A, what you're shipping, what your processes are, are you a 3PL, are you a single company, what do you have to do? Do you have big heavy parts, are you shipping refrigerators, or are you doing little tiny um, buttons, you know? So it, it all depends and that's gonna affect what type of solution you do. So there are the goods to pickers, there are the automated pickers. We'll go over some sortation, and we'll look at pickers to goods. So there's always trade-offs. Um, the biggest one is usually cost. And then with cost, you have to justify the throughput and the fast delivery. Are you gonna lose customers if you don't have good throughput and fast delivery? So therefore, it's worth the cost. You also have to look at how much scarce labor you have. Maybe you're in a point or a spot in the country where scarce labor really doesn't affect you and you're doing great. And then there's other groups where, you know, every time you turn around, you're getting an attempt to try to help you out. You wanna look at business process dynamics. So, do you know what you're gonna ship in the next five years? Do you know what your business is gonna look like in the next three years? Or is your business changing so rapidly you don't know what your business is gonna look like in the next six months? And that's gonna depend on whether you choose a fixed or a mobile solution. How fast is your business changing? And what do you need to do to make sure you keep up with the demands and the changes? The next thing we have is rapid deployment. How long do you want to wait? How much money can you spend and how long do you wait before the solution goes live? And then finally, there's vertical density. Depending on where you are in the country or the world, especially Europe, vertical density or land is a big deal. You know, it, you, you don't have any way to spread out like you will in the western part of the United States where there's a lot of land cheap. So if vertical density is a big thing, then you need to make sure that your automation solution fits that vertical density and will give you as much bang for the buck as you can get. And that's gonna cost you. All right, so let's talk about the goods to pickers. Um, basically, what I'm gonna start with is the multi-dimensional ASRS. Does everybody know what an ASRS is, I hope? It's nice not to have to define little terms. Usually they go in a green space, or if it's a brown space, it's being completely redone. They require staging, installation, and this is a long time. This is not the quickest solution. This is where you're gonna get your high density. This is also where you're gonna pay your big bucks, so they're not cheap. And there's a lot of different examples of these. I'm sure you can go out on the floor and see them. But to mention a few, there's Auto Store, there's Alert, there's Symbotic, then there's all the shuttles like OPEC, Dematic, NAP. So what you're seeing are high density, high throughput, actually great throughput, 
you'll get it out that day. The goods are coming to your person to pick out of from this big structure. You're going to get a lot of density, and it's really going to help with your capacity. But you're going to spend money, and you're going to spend time. Okay. The next one we have is a, another goods to picker example. And this is the one that you've seen probably most often with mobile robots. This also requires a green space because what you're doing is you're actually putting the goods on the shelves and the shelves are traveling around on the robot. So the robot's going under, picking up and bringing a shelf to a picker to pick. Now, usually that shelf is about 100, eh, about 1,200 pounds, which means that it's not gonna be something that's gonna be out and about with your workers. It's gonna be behind a fence and it's gonna come out and come in. So you have to be careful of that. There's always safety aspects because of the size of the weight. And so you can see there's a few different examples there. There's folks like Amazon who bought Kiva. So I don't know if you wanna call it Amazon or Kiva, either one's fine, but we all know which one that was. Um, there's Gray Orange, there's Swiss Log, there's Fetch, there's Vecna, there's Prime. There are probably one in every country <laughs> in the world you will see this solution. So if this solution fits your needs, remember that it's gonna have to be a green space, you're gonna have to have horizontal space, and you're gonna have to have reinforced flooring if you wanna put it up any higher, because those shelves weigh. You know, it's, it's not light. But they do give you good, they give you good throughput, and they get you through, there is an expense. You know, they're not as expensive as the ASRSs, but they're not cheap by any means. Um, the next one that you have actually is the shelf lists. So these are the mobile robots. They're still doing the goods to pickers, and NVIDIA, NVIDIA is an example of that. So that would be this one right here. And what they're doing is they're going out, getting a tote, bringing it to the picker, the picker picks, and then they bring it back. You'll see ARC robots. You'll see a few of the different companies that are actually doing that. And so that your picker isn't walking around, and your robot's bringing things for them to pick out of, okay? And a lot of times people call, um, call this solution kind of a, a single or a cheap, you know, Kiva robotic kind of solution, okay? Now you have the automated pickers. The automated pickers are a great idea. They're still maturing, okay? What you can see is these will work in a green or a brown space, but you have to have special restocking on your shelves. I know folks have been working very hard on bin picking with automated pickers, and I'm probably gonna go out on the floor and I might see them already done before, and I should have looked before I did this talk, but what I've seen when I looked at the automated pickers is that they have special restocking on their shelves so they can pick it off and put it into their robot and move it forward. The other thing that you'll see is that they could have uniform inventory. A good example of that is Magazino. So if you happen to have shoe boxes, perfect example, if you have shoe boxes, you never knew that there were a whole bunch of different shoe boxes, but there are. Magazino complains about it to me sometimes. But what you'll see is they have uniform inventory, which allows them to build an automatic picker that kind of looks like that. And you'll see some of those out on the floor. This is a great idea, but if you're looking for bin picking, probably not the best, or as far as I know, not completely done. If you're looking for things like pharmaceuticals 
or things that have a very specific reason for how they're going to be lined on the shelves, it's a good solution. You get rid of all your workers. They go out, they pick it, they bring it back. So, you know, it's where we want to go. I don't know if we're there yet. Then you have sortation. Now, originally, sortation could be green space or some area within a brown space. And what you're seeing now with today's sortation is that we're starting to get portability into sortation. So no longer are you fixing the systems on the floor, but you can actually move them from different spots in your warehouse depending on how your business grows and how you want to change things up. Um, a good example of that would be Tompkins. And as you can tell, we've kind of partnered with Tompkins to move the tote. So I need to tell you right off the bat that, you know, I think they're a great example, but they have a table that moves. You know, it's a sortation table that you can move from place to place. Um, another one is Berkshire Gray, and then you have SureSort. And there are many sortation different solutions out there. Okay, now there's the pickers to goods. Pickers to goods, they, sure they could be in green space, but most of the time you'll see them in a brown space. Um, what you're seeing is rapid deployment. This is really your, you know, six to eight weeks. This is not your year-long piece. And a lot of that is connecting to your WMS. A lot of folks have already pre-connected to the WMS, so they're just tuning. But a lot of that work and that time is in that portion. Um, then you're also seeing with most of these solutions that they're zoned bin picking. So they try to keep folks in the same zone. You know, they're trying to do things that make sense. You're not going to see folks going across the whole warehouse, or at least hopefully you're not. And these are questions you, of course, should ask. And then the other thing that you're seeing is a full suite of software. So it should go from the robot all the way up to the WMS or the MES or the WES, depending on which alphabet soup you happen to need. Okay, so some examples of this, and we actually give you two different examples. We give you the worker robot system. So these are the systems where the worker and the robot are interacting. A lot of people call it, sometimes they'll say it's a cobot because they interact. So an example of that is Six Rivers, Fetch, Locust, where the robot is leading or following or meeting the worker, but the worker's interacting with the robot in order to get the job done. And then there's our solution, which is basically a worker-free solution. So the worker's in the same area as the robot, but the robot and the worker aren't um, interacting at all. And that gives us better throughput. So that's the reason why you'll see that. And you can see some pictures here. Replenishment. This is usually a brown space as well. You can do rapid deployment. You can do interleaving a picking and order flow. If someone's trying to do them separately, they should be able to be interleaved. Yes, you can always do them separately on second shift to do the replenishment. But if you need something on first shift because you've got to get an order out, you better be able to interleave. Um, examples of this are you can place to the back of the flow rack, and that's something that Next Shift, Conveco, Vecna, we all have solutions for that where we're trying to get um, cartons that we place to the back of the flow rack. And the other one is that you can be placing in the picking aisles as you're going through it. So these are, as I'm doing the orders, I also have things that need replenishment, 
and I do it at the same time, or I do it with different users, but in the same space. Inventory management, drones. This is one place, every time I hear drones, I'm like, inventory management. All right, so factors in inventory management. Um, basically, it's basically an inventory system and it's a hardware system. Many are using RFID tags. If they're not using RFID tags, they're using some form of vision to get this done. Okay, so there are two examples of this. Um, for AMRs, for the mobile robots, you're going to see things like Boston Over, which is in the corner over here. You're going to see um, Robbie, you're going to see Fetch, and they're all doing the RFID tags. For drones, especially if you have a warehouse that goes up 40 feet, it makes sense. So you'll see things like Pints or uh, Fly to Wear, and they're actually right out here. <laughs> Um, one uses RFID tags and one's using solid vision. It really depends on what your needs are and how you want to get it done. But if you have one guy who starts on, on the first day of the month, counts until the 30th, and then starts all over again on the next first day of the month, you really should think about automation because this is like the perfect kind of thing where anytime you're doing rote kinds of things, you can make better use of that labor. Okay, so the trade-offs, what are you seeing? If you want high vertical density, you're not gonna have low cost. It's just a fact. Okay, if you want rapid deployment, you're probably not doing fixed infrastructure. So if you're doing rapid deployment, it better be something that it's gonna be mobile. If you want bin picking, you're probably not gonna be doing the uniform shelves and you're not gonna be doing the things that the automatic pickers are doing yet. If you want to optimize your robot and worker productivity, you probably don't want to tether your robot to a person because people are slow. Um, if you want to optimize your order delivery, you don't want to go all the way around the whole warehouse to get it done. You don't want to put a tote on a robot and then say goodbye to that robot till he gets his job done. There are some automated systems that have you build your software. They don't provide the software, they just provide the hardware. Be careful. <laughs> you want to have something that is more of an API. You want to have something that's more turnkey. Um, and then the next thing is, is how connected is it or how isolated is it? Are they requiring a lot of infrastructure to put their system in or are they trying to connect into your infrastructure? Financial trade-offs. Has everybody heard of robots as a service? Picking as a service, come on, all right. Or, of course, you can do cap expense. And a company may decide to do robots as a service and cap expense in the same year with the same vendor. It really depends on what your financials are and what you're looking to, to spend at that time. All right, so now we're gonna go into lean. Um, lean manufacturing is basically anytime you have demand-driven manufacturing and it utilizes methods to match your supply chain with your demand. The biggest thing with lean is they're trying to eliminate waste, idle time, travel time, touches. It's always a visible Kanban, and they basically, the pain point is idleness. So, what are some of the robots that you'll see in lean? 
factors, what you're going to see is they're going to increase your kidding cell productivity. This is all about productivity, how to get more kits out in a faster time and make sure that you can amp up your manufacturing. They're looking at cell scheduling and load balancing. So you never want to have a guy standing there waiting for material to come to him or a person who makes as much as a kidder makes going out and moving materials back and forth to your cell. We actually did a time study where one group was spending, their folks were spending two hours a day moving material back and forth to their cell. It was crazy. All right. And you also want a simple user interface because no one wants to be trained on these things. They want it to come, deliver, go away. And then when they want it again, they want it to come and get it and go away. Um, examples of this are uh, NetShift, Mir, Hoogla, ClearPath, all examples that have been doing this kind of lean manufacturing. Um, then you have manufacturing. Now this is moving material between process steps. So there's still a lot of load balancing, there's still a lot of software, and there's still a lot of focus on what your processes are and how that's going to work together. And examples are kind of the same, but you'll notice that you're starting to see some of the um, Amazon robotics filter in here, where you have a robot with a shelf full of trays. Matter of fact, we even do some of that. Well, we'll have the robot carry trays to the kidder so that they have multiple goods at any time. Trade-offs, just-in-time delivery versus idleness. Idleness is not good. Um, rapid deployment versus fixed infrastructure. Is a conveyor system going to help you? Is that the best way to go? It may be, but if it isn't, start to look at how you can do rapid deployment. Um, optimizing the robotic material movement versus workers moving material. You think that workers don't move material anymore, but they sure do. Okay, don't be surprised. Um, of course, then we have the build your own versus the full suite. And in manufacturing, this is even more common where I'm starting to see the, the build your own. And lastly, we have connected versus isolated. You really don't want your automation system to be wiped out by a fork truck. All right, same trade-offs, robots as a service and capital expense. So, in conclusion, yes, I'm finally going to stop soon. Uh, what you're seeing is your key business considerations. Business growth is outpacing hiring. How many? Anybody? Nobody's business growth? Uh, one. Okay. Um, Piece-picking demand has increased dramatically. You have e-commerce and you look at it and it used to be 2% of your business, now it's five. And they're predicting seven or nine or 20. Anybody see that? Yeah. Okay, customer expects fast delivery. I know I do. I'm spoiled, just like everybody else. Um, even in peak season. Peak season, if you're doing twiffly orders, it's kind of hard to do the fast delivery. And what you have noticed over the last holiday season is that FedEx, uh, UPS, uh, all the big, Amazon, they all stopped shipment a lot earlier than I expected them to for that last minute delivery. And then you're falling behind. All of these things are going to justify automation. If you don't have these kinds of pressures, then maybe automation isn't for you yet. Maybe you need to wait a few years. So what are the benefits? You should be looking at a one-year ROI. It should be something pretty quick. And then in any future installs, it should be less than a one-year ROI. 
It should increase not only productivity, but capacity. So you should be getting speed. You shouldn't have to have so much inventory. If you're putting in a big ASRS, yeah, you're going to carry more inventory. But if you're putting in a mobile robotic system, you shouldn't have to carry as much. It's only the ones where you have to have redundant and, and randomization that you'll have more. Should reduce your delivery time. If you have manual pickers, it better reduce your delivery time or you got the wrong system. All right, soft benefits. Um, employees like them. They're not lifting, they're not walking, you know, they're kind of friendly, they're kind of cool. It shouldn't be something, it should be something where the employees are feeling like, I'm getting an automation system to help you get the job done. We're not getting an automation system to replace you, but we're making your job easier, which is what these automation systems are doing. Okay, um, portable and configurable. It needs to be in the right place at the right time for your business. And if your system isn't portable or configurable, then you're paying the expense and you're giving up one of those trade-offs for something like high density. Okay? Um, flexibility. It needs to be able to support as your business changes. Every time you turn around, there's something changing in our business. All right, so key takeaways. Because the technology has gotten so much better, that's really why you're seeing these possibilities at this time. You wouldn't have seen this 10 years ago. There's a wide range of robotic options. Not everything is gonna be fitting all, and you might not, you might have one system for one thing and another system for another thing. One system, you know, like a lot of times they say, oh yeah, I wanna buy robotics, but they have no idea what type of robotics they're thinking about. And if it doesn't fit your business, why would you bother? Okay, it has to be adaptable, adaptable in both hardware and software. <laughs> so that when you put it in, you're gonna be able to do both. It should be something where you're not spending a lot of time in maintenance or in integration. You should be able to bridge. So there should be a rapid deployment and a rapid reconfiguration, simple user interface, and of course, your business processes drive your automation decisions. Questions? Gee, you're a quiet group. Oh, question, good, yep. Okay, you're gonna have to speak up. Okay, cycle counting and the use of drones, go ahead. Have I seen an input? Okay. Are there is data to support, there is accuracy, and I will, um, if you give me your name, I can send you some links. Yeah, I'd be happy to. But they have seen that it has improved the accuracy. Questions? Do I know the rate of what in the industry? Oh, adoption. Um, actually, there's a lot of good statistics on that. If you give me your name, I will send you those as well. Um, basically, what they're saying is, is by 2023, um, all the large supply chain houses will have at least done a pilot, and that um, they predict, 
I, I don't want to say a number, but the number is large every year as far as adoption increasing in robotics. Okay, so what are the limitations with an AMR? It really depends on the type of AMR and the type of system you're using. Each one has different limitations. Um, what you'll see more or less sometimes is open space. If it's completely open, like if there was no anything in here, they might have a problem with that. Um, some of them navigate by the ceiling lights. It's not so good if you have motion detection lights. <laughs> you know, so. It really has to be what you're looking for and what you're seeing. Um, there are different limitations that you will see with different groups. Um, some of them, a lot of them have weight limitations. A lot of them um, force a user to, to put totes on and off of them. Um, it really depends on, on what you're looking at. So navigation, yeah, I mean, there's always things that we could do better in navigation, but we have been solving a lot of the navigation issues. Um, most of them have, they can go on standard Wi-Fi, but some of them will, will require their own Wi-Fi package. Um, then there's the whole piece about um, avoidance between automation systems, like you have a fork truck and you have a little AMR, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna force the, fork truck to look out for the AMR? Are you gonna have the AMR look out for the fork truck? Are you gonna put in a system that actually tracks both and allows you to get through it? You know, so that's one of the biggest limitations that I've been seeing right now is that whole combination of systems. Like, you'll buy one vendor for this, one vendor for this, one vendor for that, and then you wanna make sure that they're kind of interacting in the right way. And I think um, we're finally starting to get industry standards We've been getting industry standards on both the hardware and the software, um, especially on the connection between our software and uh, customers like WMS, WES, whatever, MES. Um, uh, Massachusetts, the Technology Council has been trying to put together standards and they should be coming out fairly soon. And we're also seeing those on the hardware because they wanna have kind of like a an API and an interface, an easy way so that you can mix and match. Yeah. Other questions? Okay, quiet group, go out and have fun. It's Modex. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.